This is the thing I hate waiting more than anything else. And many of you put it up there, food. When I get to a restaurant, I hate waiting for the waitress to show up. Anybody else? Like once you get there, Susie won't even talk to me until the waitress comes because she knows I won't pay any attention because I'm just looking and waiting. I hate that. And then many of you put up here and how many say you hate waiting in traffic? Traffic? Oh my gosh. By the way, um, I hate actually slow cars, slow driving. Can I just give you some insight here? Do you guys know there is actually one car that is always the slowest on the road? And I, I've proven this by theory. You can ask Susie. Anybody know what that car is? Uh, the one in front of you. Very good. <laughs> no, no, this is true. It's the Toyota Camry. I'm, I'm telling you right now, from now on, a week, just this week, I want you to pay attention. Every time there's somebody driving slow in front of me and I get so frustrated, it'll be a Camry. And so I told Susie that. I go, you watch. I go, you know what the slowest car is? It's a Toyota Camry. And she will vouch. It's true. <laughs> so this week, when you get frustrated by a slow driver, you tell me next week if it wasn't a Toyota Camry. So I'll let you know that. And then in lines, right? We all hate lines, whether it's the traffic or Costco or the Ute game. You know, and then when you're waiting, you, you always pick the, the shortest line and you feel like you've nailed it. And then, of course, the person right in front of you has an issue. And everybody who's behind you is just going by. Oh, can we all just say we hate waiting? Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right. Well, there's another type of waiting. And it's actually awaiting where you expect something good to happen. It's when you, because you expect something good to happen, you are actually looking for it. And it's so good that you're willing actually to wait. What's interesting is that right there is the definition of hope. The hope is looking ahead with confident expectation for something that is good. In the Old Testament, the word for use for waiting is sometimes translated hope. Very common psalm, right? Beautiful one that we love to hold on to. Those who wait on the Lord, right? He shall renew your strength. It's really the word for hope. It's when you hope in the Lord, you're willing to wait. So today, as we begin this series on hope, we're going to talk about three things. What is hope? Why is hope essential? And what does hope do for us? And I want to, I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't know until this week, I actually, in all my years, 28 years of ministry, I don't think I have ever actually dove into the depths of hope until this week. And it was amazing, some of the stuff that I feel like I started to reveal from my own personal life that I had never seen before. Faith and love, right? Those are faith, hope, and love. But faith and love are always the things I seem to focus on. And what I realized this week is hope actually is critical. And I cannot wait to share with you today. Because can I just ask, do we need hope in this world? We need a lot of hope in this world. All right, so let's pray. And then we'll dive in. God, thank you for the revelation that's going to happen this morning. Because we're going to open your word, and your word is truth. 
and your word, God, when you, Jesus, you told us, man, if you hold to my truth, then you really are my disciples and that truth will set you free. And God, here's what I know in this room right here. Well, there's not a soul in this room who doesn't need hope. But I just pray that your Holy Spirit, as we sing, Holy Spirit, be present in this place. Help us to be aware. Help us to have ears to hear your voice as I speak words. May your word truly come and divide, go right. May it be living and active. May it go right into our soul and divide. May it help us to see what we've been believing that isn't true and help us to know what really is true. And my prayer, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of your Holy Spirit, is that there wouldn't be one of us who wouldn't walk out of here today a step closer to you and therefore a step closer to hope. And I ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Romans 8, 24 and 25 says this. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we what? Wait for it patiently. So now there's a couple things that are always true about hope, even by definition. Hope always includes a desire inside of you, and it includes an expectation. So a desire and an expectation. For me, when I was single, man, I had great hope for a wife. I had a desire for one. And I had an expectation that I was going to get married. And what was interesting is when I had hope, I waited. I had, I had absolute expectation that God was going to love me and care for me in this issue. And when I had that hope, I waited patiently for him. And then I turned 30, and my best, three of my best friends and my younger brother all got married. Guess what happened to my hope? And so when hope goes away, then all of a sudden, I started taking things into my hands. So hope is a desire and an expectation. It can be for a spouse. Or if you're married, you, some of you right now, you are hoping for restoration within your relationship or redemption in your relationship or any relationship. Hope, a desire, and an expectation that God might do something for us. You have hope that there might be a return on your investment. Here's what's interesting, you guys, about hope. Our hope is directly related to how good the odds are that it will happen. So when the odds are good, there's a lot of hope. And then when the odds are bad, there's not much hope at all. And so, if the odds are good, there's two things that hope can do for us. When the odds are good, you are, you, you, the more you enjoyment, excuse me, when the odds are good, the more enjoyment you have in your life. It's like you look at anything in your life, you go, hey man, I, pretty, I think this is going to happen, right? And so when you think things are going to happen, you have joy and there's peace and kind of have these good feelings. And then, if odds are good, there's more enjoyment in your life and when you look at a situation and the odds are good, you'll take greater risks, right? How many of you gamble? <laughs> like, oh, this is church. So do I be honest or do I make everybody think I'm cool, right? 
No, so here's the deal, right? If you were gonna, if you were gonna gamble on something, if the odds are really good, all sports betting, all that kind of stuff, the odds, you look at the odds, you go, hey, this is a good odd. So you take a higher risk in that. If it's a bad odd, you don't. So let me just share with you an experience that I went through this week. Just bear with me here for a second because it will totally relate to what I'm talking about today. So Thursday night. I watched the Detroit Lions play football. Apparently some of you did as well. Can I walk you through my experience? At the end of the first quarter, it's 17 to nothing. Detroit's beating Green Bay Packers. How's my hope doing? I got so much hope. I'm like, I'm looking at Suze. I'm going, these guys are awesome, man. This is going to be an unbelievable game. And then as we go on, that's the first quarter. Second quarter, nothing happens. They don't do anything good. Of course, Green Bay isn't either, so that's good. Eventually, though, it's 20 to nothing right after the halftime. And I'm, compar- I'm complaining. I'm seeing everything that they're doing wrong. And my poor daughter, Ashlyn, looks at me and she goes, Dad, they're winning 20 to nothing. And I looked at Ashlyn and I said, but you know what? You haven't been a Lions fan for very long. <laughs> and Susie actually, in my defense, said, Ashlyn, honey, if they keep playing like this, they could lose. So right after that, in 58 seconds, Green Bay scores two touchdowns. 20 to 14. How's my hope? decreasing. Eventually, it's 23 to 14. Now we're up two scores, and I got, I got hope. And then, Aaron Rodgers. 23-21. Are you kidding me? Fourth quarter, my hope is going down the tubes. And then eventually, we get the ball back. A little over two minutes to play. We're going down. It's third and long. If we don't make this first down, the Packers are going to have like two and a half minutes left in the game. And Aaron Rodgers, he will score. We will lose. I have no hope. Except Stafford goes back. This rookie receiver comes across the middle, dives for it, catches it. First down, baby. How's my hope? I mean, now this was crazy. I went through and I looked at the time. I, taught, I went all the down because I knew they were going to do three running plays in a row so they don't fumble. And they did that. And it took them all the way down to 23 seconds. I'm like, I looked at Susie. I'm like, they're only going to have 23 seconds left. They're going to be at the end of the end zone. I go, honey, they're going to do it. And I am so full of hope, right? So 20 yard line, 80 yards to go in, 20, in 23 seconds. What are the odds? They're not good. Unless you're playing the Lions. Final play of the game. We totally sack Aaron Rodgers in the backfield. We're winning, but there's a little yellow hanky on the field because a guy's thumb touched the face mask. (laughs) Only against Detroit. Last play of the game, he heaves it 61 yards, touchdown, Lions lose. How's my hope? It is gone. It is demolished. And immediately there's despair. Because Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
Welcome to being a Lions fan. Somebody texted me and I said, this is unbelievable. And I said, no, it's so believable. (laughs) Now, why do I share with you that story? Because the experience of that game is how almost every one of us in this room experiences life. You go through life, you're up 17-0. How's your hope? Got joy? Got peace? Feeling good? Something happens in your life? It's 2014. You're starting to freak out. Got a little anxiety. Next you know, the good thing, this is your life. You have hope and you have despair. And you have hope and you have despair. And you ride this roller coaster. And here's what I know from my job. There's way too many of us in this room today. And you have well, woefully lacking in hope. There's so much going on in your heart right now. And here's, here's what happened. So that was Thursday night. I did not hear about the shootings in San Bernardino until the end of the day Wednesday. I was just working all day, so I hadn't paid attention to anything. And I, I just want to tell you, I, um, every time, just like you, I'm sure, one of these mass things or anything horrific, it's just like you cannot open a news page without horrific things happening. And every time it really bugs me, but man, for some reason this time, I just woke up Thursday and I was just so heavy. And the, and the biggest burden on my heart was, do any of those people who just lost their family, their loved ones, do they have hope? Aaron Rodgers just threw 61 yards and ended it. Over. Game done. Do you have hope? And I thought, do they have any hope at all for the people who they lost about their future? Do they have any hope for themselves as they have to now live in the rest of their days down here with a huge hole in their heart? So anyway, and then just through other things that were going on all this week, the whole world needs this, man. And we have marriages, right, that are so struggling. People are literally losing hope. And you guys know if you've ever met with me, Whenever I meet with anybody with a relationship, I'm always like, I'm a hopeless romantic in the gospel. And you need something when your relationships are falling apart. Some of you right now, you're in despair because you're struggling with an illness. And it's taking you down and there's nothing you can do about it. Do you have hope? Finances. I remember, man, back last year in December, well, a year ago, we actually talked about peace. And we ask you guys, what are the biggest things that you're concerned about? What robs you of your peace? Finances were number one of the biggest things. So here's what I hit, hit me. It's like, oh my gosh, you guys, the world needs hope so badly today. Because Jesus said, in this world, you are going to have trouble. You just are. So when the trouble comes, do you have something inside of you that gives you an absolute expectation of something good in the future? When right now isn't going so well. The world needs the kingdom of God. 
That's what Jesus said. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was saying the kingdom of God is here. What's the kingdom of God? It's God's ways. When God actually calls the shots, when his stuff gets done, that's his kingdom. And his kingdom is right. And it's good. And it's peace-loving. And it produces life. That's what the world needs. And Bill Heibel said it so well years ago. He said, you guys, the church is the hope of the world. Do you know what we are? Come on. I know many of you are visiting, but those of us in this room who say, no, this is my church because I believe in Jesus Christ. God's plan for hope in the world is the church. That's his plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. I've looked for it. There's not another one. His whole plan is that he would take us who are filled with sin remove it, fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we could now know God and that we would walk with him in a different way into this world. And that's what this world needs. They don't need people judging them. They need people walking in with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Do you hear those words? the antithesis of what happened in San Bernardino. And we are the ones who now have that spirit inside of us. We're the hope of the world. Do you guys know that? That was, do you guys know that? So then, it's probably a good thing I wasn't, that we didn't have church on Thursday. (laughs) Because I was so fired up. Well, here's another reason I was so fired up. Every Sunday here, we know just from what our, our Adventure Canyon numbers that come in, Many of you are here today. I know every week for the first time. You came to church for the first time. I don't know why you're here. For many people, I talk to people almost every week. I talk to somebody who came up to me this morning after the first service. She goes, church has never been a part of my life. She said, but I came here. It's different. And she said, thank you. Thank you. She goes, I don't know what else is going on, but you saved one person. Every week people come here because they need hope. So what are we doing, church, right? So here's another reason I was a little riled up is on Wednesday, that same day, I had lunch with a guy and he said, Dave, I just need to tell you, man. He goes, I was working in the twos. Somebody came to drop off their two-year-old. We didn't have enough workers. So I had to tell her we couldn't take her kid. He goes, she was so upset when she walked away. She goes, I know you've been saying, man, God's gonna say to us someday, what did you do with all the fish I threw in your boat? (laughs) Because Jesus said, I'm gonna make you fisher of men. And I feel a K2 fish kind of just hop in our boat. He said, you know what we did, Dave? We threw one back in the lake. And I just got to tell you, when I heard that, I'm just like, no. Somebody came for hope. And then that night, a woman told me that her daughter and and her husband have to pack up their twins. Now, I don't know. I've never had to pack up twins. I couldn't even pack up one. They pack up their twins, they drive here all the way from Harriman, (laughs) over a half hour just to come into our presence, and they went to the nursery, and we had to tell them, sorry, we can't take your babies, because we didn't have enough workers. Okay, see, so I hear that. In the midst of everything else that's going on, I'm like, no, wait, the church is the hope of the world. (laughs) Why? Because, now, now listen, you guys, this is so important to understand. That's not who we are. Now that happened last week, but that's not who we are. Why? Because who's the church? What is the church? 
It's the body of Christ. Jesus, the church, are people who are filled with the Spirit of God. And you know what the Spirit of Jesus said? The Spirit of Christ comes and he says, I lay down my life for others. So you and I are supposed to say, imitate God, therefore, as dearly loved children and lay down your life just as Christ laid down his life for us. So that's what we do as the church. We lay down our life for people. And he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So, I mean, I just want to tell you, when I heard that, I said, yes, that might have happened. But K2, the church, you guys understand, right? That's not who we are. Do you guys understand when that's not who we are? We don't turn people away. <laughs> okay? We never do that. And so, man, I just want to tell you, it was like this, the church, I just, I, like, you guys, K2, Salt Lake needs us. It needs the church, people filled with hope. Your family, your workplace, your neighborhood. People are looking at the world and it's scaring the crap out of them. And you and I are the ones who can have hope. So, and let me just tell you, the Christmas story brings hope. That's why we're going to look at it all month long. The Christmas story brings hope. Now, just for a second, let me take you back to the Lions game. Imagine this. What if I knew in my lifetime, before I die, for certain, that the Lions are going to win a Super Bowl? <laughs> what if I, follow me here, what if I knew that, that the Lions someday were going to win a Super Bowl? Now, the odds are it'll happen. They're just really slim. <laughs> but if I knew it, and that game happens, and the Hail Mary pass goes against us, you know what I could do in my heart? I could go, all right, not this year. Not this year, but I know it's going to happen. And that changes. That's hope. It's a confident expectation of something you get to look forward to. And it completely changes how you experience your life. So look at this passage, Luke chapter 2 in the Christmas story, right after Jesus is born. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, and he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have, everybody say this word with me, promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, Simeon had a very distinct promise to rely on that the general population didn't. He was told before you die, you will see the Messiah. Confident expectation, hope. But what was interesting is there were so many people in the story during the time of Jesus when he was born. There were so many people who had a confident expectation that the Messiah was going to come. And they had this confidence for 
take over a thousand years. How long are you waiting for something? <laughs> Crazy. Hundreds of years after the final prophecy about the fact that the Messiah was going to come, these people still believed, they still had hope that there was going to be a Messiah, that God was going to be faithful to his promise. And so it says in Luke chapter 3, verse 15, when John the Baptist, it says the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And this is just, these are just normal people. Somehow they were waiting expectantly for the Messiah to come. In John chapter 7, Jesus, uh, uh, verse 41, Jesus is at a festival. And it says the crowds were there. That'd be like you right now. Just a crowd of people that were there. Not the religious people. And some people said, Jesus is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? <laughs> Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Do you guys follow this? These normal, average people had an absolute expectation that the Messiah was come. And they knew the place and they knew the time. And they, how did they know it? Because it was in the scriptures. In the scriptures, God had declared in prophecy what was going to happen and they had absolute expectation it would take place. John chapter four, verse 21, the woman at the well. Now, I, I'm just gonna be honest with you, this isn't sexist, this was true back then, that women weren't expected to know stuff. They weren't even supposed to be involved in education. And this was a Samaritan woman. A Samaritan, a Jew wouldn't even talk to. And Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman, and she says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. How did she know that? And then she says, when he comes, not if he comes, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. See guys, these people had a hope and it was a hope because God said something in the scripture and they waited over a thousand years for it to happen and God was faithful to his promises. You can have hope in him. God had stated clearly that there would be a Messiah. Now, here's what's interesting. Today, today, God has given us another hope. He has given us another promise so that you can hold on to it, so you can have hope no matter what. You know what the hope is? It's eternal life. God is promising every one of you in this room today eternal life. Titus 1, 1 and 2 says this. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. I don't want to bust right there. I, I read this a few weeks ago and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that's my job. What are we supposed to be doing here every Sunday? We should be furthering our faith. Our faith should be growing in what? in the knowledge of the truth. See, these people, these Jewish people, even the Samaritan woman knew the truth of the scripture and because she knew the truth of what God had said, she could put her hope in him. And then she could put her faith in him, right? And it leads to godliness. See, when you have faith in the truth, it leads to godliness. What does that mean? That means you actually get to live like God, not like 
like in, in some ways, but in this, in love and in joy and in peace and in patience and kindness, all that's good. He says we can have that. So eternal life, but look what it says. It goes on in verse two. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. God has made you a promise this morning. And when you get this promise, you get hope. And the promise is eternal life. And you know what eternal life is, you guys? Eternal life, Jesus said, is knowing God. So that means eternal life is right now. Right now. You can know God. You can have his spirit joined with your spirit so that when everything else is falling apart in this world, you can have God's presence in you. That's why we're singing the song, Holy Spirit, may your presence be here because it gives us hope when he's with us. That's eternal life. And you can have it now in whatever situation you're in. But when you have that, it also assures you of heaven. It assures you that you will be with God forever in his presence. And I'm telling you, man, that hope changes everything. So that's what hope is. It is a confident expectation in God to give me eternal life. Right now, his presence and with him forever. Now, why is that so essential? It's so essential because you are, you know this, you are going to wait. You are. You're going to have seasons where things are not going like you want them to. You're going to have seasons of life when things are not going the way you expect them to because God's supposed to be with me. Why aren't things coming together? And what's interesting is when those things, and by the way, Jesus never said, receive me and everything goes great. No, he said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, so you better receive me so I can walk through this with you. Because <laughs> here's what's going to happen, man. Why is hope so essential? Because when these things arise, you are going to be so tempted to look for other things to satisfy you. You're going to look for other things to bring you relief, to bring you pleasure, to give you hope. God's not coming through, and this is so hard. And so I'm going to go somewhere else. And here's our thing. When stuff isn't going the way that you want them to, you're going to be so tempted to make it happen yourself, to take things under your own control. I'm telling you, every one of us does this. If God's not going to take care of me, then I will take care of myself. Amen? It's just true. It's instinctual. So as soon as you lose hope in God, then now it's up to you. And now, you guys, where are we at? The pressure's on. The frustrations, the anger, the bitterness, the stress, the fear, the anxiety. Did I get it for everybody? So some of you walked in here today, and that's your life because you don't really have hope in God. And so you're putting hope in something else, and you're taking on responsibility for yourself. And for some of you, it's paralyzing you. You're not able to really live the life that you want to. And for others of you, you're just numbing 
the pain because you've lost hope. Why? Because hope deferred makes the heart sick. And some of you are here this morning and your heart is sick. And God is telling you today, I think it could be because you need hope. I ask you a question. Do you have hope? And if you do, what's it in? Is it in the next presidential election? All right. Is your hope in the economy? Come on. Yes. Let's be honest. It is. Because when the economy's good, how you feeling? Yeah, exactly. When the economy's tanking, how you doing? See? Is it politics? Is it people? Oh my God. Seriously, is your hope in another person? Are you really putting all the burden that somebody else would get their act together to make your life complete? That's a lot of pressure. Hope in God is essential. Okay? So what does hope do for us? And I'm going to bust through these three points because, and I'm going to go through them quickly because we're going into these deeper the next two weeks. I, 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 wanted to, I want to sit in this hope so that we can really understand it. But let me hit you real quickly. Write these down. What does hope do for us? Number one, hope helps you enjoy life. It helps you enjoy life. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy and peace. Anybody want that? I'm telling you what, man, you know you're enjoying life when there's peace inside you and when you're filled with joy. You know, just real quick, one last little thing on a Lions game. So, no, this is, watch, follow this, this is good. So right now, games are going on, right? So every Sunday, what I have to do is I have to uh, record the game and then I go home to watch it later. Every once in a while, somebody will tell me the score, right? And so, and when they do, I already know that the Lions won. Do you know what it's like to go home and watch a Lions game? And here they are, fumbling the ball, throwing interceptions, totally bombing it. But I know, they're going to win. So what happens when they're totally screwing up? I'm like, ha, 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 look at those fools. I can completely enjoy the game with rest and peace and joy. Why? Because I know what's going to happen happen. We serve a God of hope and he knows and he wants you to know the end of the game so that no matter what happens, you and I can last and have peace and joy in our soul. Hope helps you enjoy life. Number two, hope helps you live life. Colossians 1, 3, and 5 says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. So think about this. Paul doesn't even live by these guys, and he's saying, man, I hear about you all the time. And I hear about your faith, and I hear about your love. Well, why is he hearing about them? Because you hear about people who are really living. And when you're living life, you're living by faith. People who walk by faith, you guys, are the people who take risks. They're the ones who trust God for stuff. 
and they step out and God's stuff gets done. <laughs> okay? Going to church and being religious doesn't produce that. It just doesn't. It's, it, it doesn't produce stuff. Faith does. And if you're living a life of love, I mean, people who love, they make a difference. But here's what I never saw. This is one of the most important things for me this week. Because in Galatians says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So you know what I do? Man, I, then I think about faith and I'm trying to be better at my faith and I'm trying to be more loving. And I want to tell you how frustrating it is. Anybody else frustrated with your faith? I mean, there are times where I'm just like, what is up with me? I'm the pastor of 28 years. And I can't get this stuff down. And then I look at my love quotient. Anybody ever struggle to love? And I wonder, why am I struggling to love? Why am I withdrawing from people? Why am I avoiding? Why am I hesitating? Why am I not pouring out love? And here's what I never knew. Look at this. Faith and love spring forth from what? From hope that's stored up for you in heaven. And this is what I hope in the next couple of weeks we might be able to dive in more. If you're struggling with your faith, the issue actually might be that you don't have hope. And if your love quotient is really low and you find yourself selfish, then somehow the issue actually is hope. Faith, Hebrews 11 says, a definition, faith is, by definition, confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. See, because when your hope is secure, when you know you have eternal life, then you know that God is with you right now and you know that even if a tragedy happens and death happens, you are assured of an eternal life and perfection. See, when you have that type of security and the odds are high that that's going to take place, you know what happens? You take greater risk, man. You live. You go for it. Because God, I know you're with me, so I don't have to fear. Some of you, you haven't taken a step in so long because you're so full of fear. Hope that God is with you is what drives out fear. So you can have faith and step out and live the life he wants you to live. And the same thing's true with, with love. Without hope in God, you have to start, like I said before, you have to start taking care of yourself. And I want to tell you this, man, when your focus is on you and all of your struggles and all of your hardships and all the things aren't going well for you, how loving are you when you're doing that? Not at all. You know yourself, right? I know me. So as soon as hope is gone, now I'm so busy trying to take care of myself because I think the burden's all on me that I'm no good to any of you. Hope is what helps you to live life. It springs forth faith. It pours love into your heart. What's your hope in? Last one quickly. Hope helps you endure life. First Thessalonians, we always thank God for all of you and continue mentioning you in our prayers. We remember before God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance, and your, look at this, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what's true, you guys? You will wait. You will when you know there's something better. You won't give up when you know something better is there. That's why Romans 8 is so important. For we know that God works in all things together for the good. See, so that gives you hope. 
And I tell you, man, when you endure and you don't give up, that's when you finally see something at the end. And here's, I'm gonna say, I said this first service, I'm gonna say it right now. Here's what I know. I know 50% of you in this room today probably will not be here a year from now. Enduring in faith is so hard. I see people come, be all excited, and go all the time. And now I think I realize why. It's because your hope isn't secure in God with you now and assuring you of your future. And if stuff isn't going the way that you don't like it to, well, then God's not coming through, and I'm going to go find something else. And can I just ask you, what else do you want to put your hope in, seriously, than a God who is righteous, who is holy, who is all-powerful, who can only do what's good, who's right in every decision, who's just, who created you, who loved you, who gave up his life for you. This is the God who's saying, trust me, put your hope in me. And I tell you what, when you do, yes, you know what? You know everything, I want to quit. I'm telling you, man, there are so many days, my poor wife, pray for her. Because, because you know what, my, because my emotions, sometimes, again, I, the odds look good and I feel great. And then the odds look bad and I go down. And, and, and do, you, do you really want to trust your emotions? Is your hope that you're going to feel God all the time? No, your hope needs to be in God. And when you have hope, I'm telling you this, man, you won't give up the fight. You won't. No matter how hard it gets. And you will run the race that's marked out for you. So again, what is your hope in? And this morning, can I just ask you, do you have, do you possess the hope of eternal life? Do you know God? Not know about him. I'm telling you, do you personally experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in your being with you? That's hope. Do you know that when tragedy hits you, and it will, that you have hope for a future of being in God's presence, which you were created for? What are the odds that God's going to come through? I'm banking my life on it. Anybody else? I'm going to bank my life on it. So as the band comes up, let me just tell you, and we'll get into this more, but I just want to give you a head start, okay? How do I actually, what do you do? How can I actually increase my hope? Can I just quickly give you three things? Number one, the people in Jesus' day who had hope that the Messiah was going to come, it was number one, because their hope in that was because of what God said he would do. See, they had hope because God said it. And the only reason they knew what God said was they knew the scripture. I can't tell you one of the best things you can do to gain hope in God is open up his word and let him speak to you and let you know that he's with you. Read the unbelievable stories of God's faithfulness. It strengthens your hope. You've got to be in his word. Number two, they had hope in the Messiah because they witnessed his faithfulness. 
The, the, the Israelite people, they had seen God be faithful. So to do that, you actually have to take a step of faith. When you step out, you guys, and you see God come through, guess what happens to your hope? Your odds go up and you're like, wow, he's really there. He really moves. He really loves. So you got to take steps of faith. And then the last thing, they had hope in the Messiah because they regularly remembered his faithfulness. They regularly remembered. God had set up patterns for them. Every Sabbath, you keep it holy and you come to me. Can I just tell you, man, you guys, I know church attendance is very sporadic. You know, if, if you're not tired, if you feel like getting up, but I'm telling you what, you and I need to be reminded on a daily basis basis that God is with you. You need to hear his word. You've got to be in his presence. You have to have his Holy Spirit speaking to you. Really, some of you don't have hope because you're not filling yourself up with the opportunities to hear from God. They regularly did this. God put festivals where they constantly got in God's face and reminded themselves, you are trustworthy. I will put my hope in you. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Encourage each other daily. All right? The hope of God is for you. You can have confident expectation, no matter what is going on, of eternal life. His presence with you right now. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close and give you one last chance to connect your heart to God. And to sing that beautiful song. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? God with us. You guys, you can sing to him today. God, come, be with me in my marriage, in my illness, in my finances, in my fears. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and be with us. And we are going to take our offering while we do, and this is no trite matter. Why? Because Jesus says your heart follows your treasure. First Timothy 6, God says to us, don't command those, so I'm going to do this, to not put your hope in wealth but put your hope in God. See, but if you can't even give God back to him what's his, that means because you actually think this money is going to give you what you're looking for. Your hope is in your resource. By being faithful to give back to God, your heart follows and it gets into the place of the one who will never let you down. All right, let's stand, let's worship together.